So getting back to where we're headed this morning, uh, last year was our year of compassion. I just mentioned in our prayer. For the last several years, I've been asking the Lord for vision as we start off the new year as a church. Um, what's the direction? Uh, in Proverbs, it says that um, for lack of vision, the people perish. If they don't have a direction, if we don't know where we're headed, if we don't have goals, it's not healthy for us uh, that we struggle throughout life. And so I love that our church, we have a mission statement. If you don't know what our mission statement is, this is the core of who we are. This is why we do what we do, um, that we pursue a relationship with God by embracing his promises, the word of God, by encountering his presence through worship, right, and empowering his people, you and I, through ministry. And so that's who we are. That's what we do. We just, we love God's word. We love worshiping and encountering his presence. And we love empowering people, right? Ephesians talks about how there's um, the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. That it's not up to the pastor or some other leader in the church to do all the ministry. It's actually up to us, the body of Christ all together, to do the ministry that God has called the church to do. And so I love that we see that as a church family, that we are all in this together. And so that's our mission statement. And every year we have a vision that kind of gives us a focused um, idea of where we're headed, how we're going to accomplish these different things. And so last year was compassion. There were some great, huge successes right in the midst of a pandemic and COVID. And like I said, we started off the new year in a tent and doing different things. Um, but we had compassion. We had testing going on in our, on our property. We had um, vaccines being given on our property. We um, had food distributions. We had all kinds of things where we had a, a focus that we want to have compassion, that where there are people even in this room that we have different uh, political ideas. We have different ideas of how we respond to the pandemic, where uh, vaccine, no vaccine, mask, no mask, all those different things. And in all those, our goal was, but what's the compassion way to do this? That I have a political bent, but because I'm seeking compassion, I'm not going to seek my own way to win out, even though I know I'm right about my own political conviction, <laughs> right? I'm right and they're wrong. Because I have compassion, I don't have to prove that I'm right. I can just have love and grace towards people that are wrong, right? No, um, that I can actually have an open ear to hear that, you know what, I might be wrong. I can have, I have enough compassion to hear what the Spirit has to say. And so that's kind of where we were last year. So now, this year, I do have a fresh new vision. It might not just be one word, it's more of a statement. And so this year for 2022, Osborne Hebrew Church's vision is, comes from a scripture, 1 Peter 1.13, and a phrase in there, it says, um, Prepare your hearts and minds for action. Prepare your hearts and minds for action. And rather than me trying to unveil everything and cram this whole next 30 minutes into everything I want to say, I'm just going to whet your appetite this morning, and we're going to take our time over the next several weeks, probably even months, of just figuring out what this actually means. How does this practically play out in our lives? And so the idea for me is prepare your heart and mind for action. I love that God wants us to be doers of his word, right? Action is important, that we are accomplishing something, that we are busy about his, our father's business, that we are, we're found faithful, right? That when the Lord returns, he separates the wheat from the chaff, right? All those different things, and that, that the gold, the dross, right? All these different analogies that what we did for the Lord, what we did for eternity, that's what matters. And everything else we did in life, it's all going to be blown away. And so this idea of action, there's, the Lord wants us to do things, right? He says, go and make disciples, right? I've shared several times, I'm believing before Jesus returns, there's going to be a billion soul harvest. There's going to be a whole bunch of people coming to know the Lord. How does that happen? It's the church doing what they're supposed to do. But before we receive this billion soul harvest, before we do all these things, that word is prepare. 
prepare? Are we prepared to have this church have seven services and it's packed to the brim, right? Are we prepared for someone? Are you prepared to share your faith with someone? Are you, have you thought about how to share your testimony in front of a large crowd? Have you thought about how to share your testimony one-on-one? Have you thought about how to share your testimony in 15 minutes or in one minute or in an elevator in 10 seconds, right? Have we thought these things through? Have we prepared how to share our faith? Have we prepared, I'm just saying share your faith. It could be a zillion different things. How, are we ready? Are we, re- are we a people that are ready? And so I love that this scripture says, prepare your heart and mind for action. Don't just prepare for action. There's some prep work before you get to action that our heart needs to be right, that our mind needs to be focused. And so we're going to spend time looking at these things. Um, we're going to spend uh, I'll, this, I'll probably at least, we'll spend a lot long, longer, but this next week ahead of us, we're going to be looking at our mind, I mean our heart, preparing our hearts. What does that mean to prepare your heart? We're going to look at some scriptures. We're going to have some things that we do as a church. So Wednesday night, we're going to spend time preparing our heart. Then we're going to move on to the next segment, right? And so we're going to be doing this for the next several weeks and months, looking at what all these things mean. But as I said, it comes from 1 Peter 1.13. So let's turn there. We're going to read actually three different translations this morning. My favorite, all-time favorite, is New King James. That's what the Bibles are if you have a hymnal in front of you, or in the pew in front of you, or there's a hymn and a hymnal and a Bible, and it's New King James. I grew up in this church. There was always New King James Bibles in the pews, so that's what I read. My, my personal physical Bibles I've been using for the last 20 some odd years, has been New King James. So that's just what I'm used to. It doesn't mean it's better than other ones. It's just the one that I like. Um, so we will read from that one first. So 1 Peter 1.13 in New King James says this. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I love the New King James sometimes because it uses words that make me have to think and I have to look up my dictionary, right? It says, gird up the loins. What the heck is that talking about, right? And if I've read enough scripture, the first scripture that comes to my mind is actually from Job, right? Gird yourself like a man, gird, right? God comes to Job and says, gird yourself like a man. Let me give you an answer. Let me tell you. Job has been spending chapters and chapters of complaining, saying, God, I don't deserve all this bad that's going on in my life. Where are you? What are you doing? And he's questioning and he's confronting God. And finally, God shows up in a whirlwind and he says, gird yourself like a man, Job. Listen up. Right? And so this idea of gird, the idea is gird your loins. It's, it's taking, they used to not wear pants and a shirt, right? They had a one piece. And the idea is that you, if you were going to do action, if you're getting ready to go work in the garden, if you're going to go run a race, you would gird your loins. You would take it, your belt, and you would you know, hike it up a little bit so you had leg room, so your knees could bend. Gird yourself. Get ready for something, right? You're, you're preparing yourself. So that's where we get this idea of girding your loins of your mind, of your mind? Are we spending time preparing our hearts and our minds? Are we doing this? And I love that it says that. Gird, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. Sober, we should know what that means, right? You know what it means to be intoxicated, right? If you're drunk and you're under the influence of, of wine or of alcohol, you are under the influence and you talk different. You walk different, right? You behave differently because you're intoxicated. And so this is saying be sober, meaning Let's think things through and let's not be affected by what the world is doing. Let's get a clear mind. Let's get a clear heart. Let's have a pure in what we're doing. Let's be pure. And so it's saying this, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope upon the grace. Rest your hope. 
I'll stop there even. I think as we're entering 2022, there's a lot of people in the world and maybe in the church, some of you here, that we need some hope, that we are weary and tired of a pandemic and all the things that are going on. And we're like, oh my goodness, I don't want to enter another year of things spiking again and all these different things. Ah, right. And we need hope. And I love this scripture saying that you can rest your hope or I love the scriptures when I think about hope, you can have hope as an anchor for your soul. That hope can be something that you are confident. You're not, it's not just wishy thinking like, oh, I hope I win the lottery. That's, that's worldly hope. Biblical hope says, no, actually you can have an anchor. Hope can actually be an anchor where you have this confidence that I know that something good is about to happen. That's my definition of hope. If you haven't heard that before, that was several years ago, that was my word for the, the year, is this was the year of increased hope. And hope, my definition, is the joyful expectation of something good that we are joyfully expecting something good. As we enter this new year, I want us to have hope. I don't want us to think, oh, it's just another, another year, same problems as last year, as the year before. We're gonna keep running in the same ruts, the same patterns, the same, no. It's a new year and I have hope and it's actually a confidence. I'm resting it upon what, right? Hope fully upon the grace. Grace, I actually have confidence in God's grace. I believe that God is good to me even when I don't deserve it. Do you believe God is good to you when you don't deserve it? Yes. Amen. I got a lifetime of experience where I didn't deserve God's grace, and yet he gave it to me. As we said this morning, his mercies are new every morning. And mercy, right, the definition of mercy, grace, mercy is not getting what you do deserve, right? If you commit a crime, you deserve a punishment. And mercy is, you know what, I'm, Jesus says, I will take the punishment for you. Mercy is you're not going to get the, the hand of God coming upon you, the wrath of God coming upon you. No, actually, I'll take that. And so you don't get what you deserve. Grace is actually you did nothing to merit God's favor. He just gave it to you freely. Just because he likes you. But why does he like you? You don't have to do anything to make him like you. He already likes you. He already enjoys you. Even if you've done nothing to please him, he actually enjoys you. That can actually be some theology, um, might be hard for some people's theology. That even before you become a Christian, God actually likes you. God actually is involved in your life. He actually thinks about you. And he's still Emmanuel. That grace is just this favor from God. And I love that that's what it says, that we can have this confidence that God is going to be good to me even when I don't deserve it. Can I tell you, I... I've been, the Holy Spirit is reminding me that as Daniel shared that testimony, right? Of being late at night and just having all these thoughts and different things. I've done that. I've been anxious in preparing a sermon where I'm spending time in God's word. And I spent all week long. I got tons of Bible verses, all these things. And I'm trying to put it all together. And I find myself anxious. And I find myself like, I don't, I'm not enjoying how it's all coming together. It's not what I wanted. And it's, I'm, I'm frustrated. And then I finally remind myself, I don't have to do anything to perform to earn God's grace. And when I remind myself, I'm like, oh, a breath of fresh air just comes inside me. I don't have to have everything to get, I don't have to be so, sometimes I look at myself, I'm not talented enough. I'm not gifted enough. I don't know how to do that. And God reminds me, Ryan, that's exactly why I called you. I love that even in the New Testament, you see the early church leaders. You see Paul, 
who was a Pharisee, who had memorized the Torah, knew the Old Testament, knew all about the law, was like the Pharisee of Pharisees. And where did God call him to go preach to the Jews or the Gentiles? Oh, the Gentiles. But wait, God, I'm, I'm so prepared to teach the Jews. Yeah, I want you to go to the people who know nothing about the Bible. Go talk to them. What? All right, and then you have a fisherman who doesn't know anything about the Bible but just knows how to fish. And God says, all right, Peter, you go preach to the Jews. Wait, what? But see, that's how God is. It seems kind of funny, almost like an oxymoron. I'm telling you, this is a year of preparation. And yet there's sometimes when God says, you know what? It doesn't matter how much you prepare, I'm going to change the script anyways. <laughs> that's who God is. And so I love this. This is a year where we are to prepare, but I love that it's, it's not always with specifics. We sing a song sometimes, ready for whatever you want to do. I am believing this is a year that we get prepared for whatever the Lord wants to do. I'm prepared, God, whatever you say, I will do. Wherever you say go, I'll go. I'm prepared to leave everything behind. I'm prepared to let go of anything, whatever you want, God. But sometimes that getting to that place takes some preparation of the heart and the mind. So New King James, we kind of looked at what it says there, right? Gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, rest your hope in, the, in, in, in all these things. Now let's look at one that's newer, that's a little more, some, I like this translation, but sometimes I don't like it because it's too flowery. Um, the Passion Translation, 1 Peter 1.13, this is where I get our phrase, right? So it says this, so then prepare your hearts and minds for action, but it keeps going. Stay alert and fix your hope firmly on the marvelous grace that is coming to you. For when Jesus Christ is unveiled, a greater measure of grace will be released to you. That's a good word right there. This year, 2022, the Lord is saying a greater measure of grace is going to be released to you. You are going to receive grace in a measure that you don't deserve. Grace is coming to you. I gotta say it three times. Grace is coming to you. Grace is coming to you and grace is coming to you. Can you actually, now that I just said it, can you say it? Can you say grace is coming to me? Grace is coming to me. Grace is coming to me. Oh, let's do it three times. Grace is coming to me. Grace is coming to me. No, grace is coming to me. Amen. Amen. Grace is coming to you in a greater measure. Not because you earned it, not because you were so diligent to prepare, just because God is that good. This is a year, I love Isaiah. I, I preached from this, I think the first year I became the pastor, right? The Spirit of the Lord has anointed me, right? What? And it goes through this whole thing and it says, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. The year of Jubilee. I don't know how I missed it. I love that our elder Claudine called me out this morning. She reminded me that this is the year. As we just stepped into it. We're only two days into it. But this is the year that Osnabrück Church is going to hit its 70th anniversary of existing. And that seven, if you know any biblical Jewish history, seven is that year of Jubilee. It's that year where the land that you would, you would plant crops in, you would work it for six years. And then the seventh year, you let it lay rest. It gets to rest. The land doesn't have to work. And somehow God would provide. Where you had debts, if you loaned money to somebody, and after six years, debt-free. Oh, man, I wish that, that would be great if this year is a debt-free year, right? But this is a year of jubilee. I get to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. 
the year of God's favor, the year of God's grace. Grace is coming to you this year. Hmm. And I love that. It doesn't just say that grace is coming to you. In the Passion Translation, it says, for when Jesus Christ is unveiled, a greater measure of grace will be released to you. When Jesus Christ is unveiled, meaning that Jesus wants to encounter you this year. That's part of our mission statement, that we encounter his presence. I'm believing for this year for us to encounter his presence in a greater way. In corporate worship, but also in your own prayer time with the Lord. I've encountered both. After, I don't know, 35 years of following the Lord, there's been days and seasons where I do my devotions, and I'm just being real with you. I'm just being faithful to do it, and I didn't really feel or encounter the presence of God. It was just me doing what I knew I was supposed to do. But then there's times where I was spending time with God, and I was just kind of going through the motions, and all of a sudden I was like, whoa, the presence of God just came on that scripture. Whoa, God is speaking to me in a powerful way where it changed the whole direction of what I was thinking. I am believing this year, you and I, we're going to have more and more of those experiences where the Lord shows up and we say, whoa, this is God. That it's through scripture, it's through worship, it's through whatever it is that we're doing all throughout the day that we are expecting, we're prepared for Jesus to show up, for revelations of Jesus. That we will experience greater measures of grace as Jesus is being revealed to us. Hmm. All right, so we read New King James Passion Translation. This is just to whet your appetite. I'm not even really preaching all of this yet. But one more. The message, which is a paraphrase, not an actual translation, but more of a thought for thought, says this. I love this. So roll up your sleeves. Get your head in the game. Be totally ready to receive the gift that's coming when Jesus arrives. Don't lazily slip back into those old grooves of evil, doing just what you felt like or what you feel like doing. I love that roll up your sleeves. If you haven't noticed, your pastor probably rolls up his sleeves quarter way up almost every Sunday. Um, I don't know why I started doing that, but now it's just stuck and that's just my, what I like doing. Um, probably because I have short arms, I'm short. And so when it's too long, then you probably don't care about all that stuff. But it gets all bunchy, I don't like that. And then I'm too high. Anyways, but roll up your sleeves, what does that mean, right? Get ready to work, gird the loins, right? Same thing, that's kind of more today, gird up, roll up your sleeves. And I love, get your head in the game. Am I the only one that watched some football over the last couple of days? Anyone else watch football? All right, good. There was some good football. If you missed the Rose Bowl, that was a good game. The Rose Bowl was a good game. And Baylor won uh, yesterday, uh, so shout outs, right? It was good, right? Good football. But the idea is get your head in the game. I, I love these analogies. Sometimes I love reading different translations because it, it highlights or it, it, it accentuates things I wouldn't normally think when I'm reading it in the New King James, right? And so that's why I, I often read a verse in multiple translations. And I love what message says. Get your head in the game. Like there's been times I grew up playing football and sports. There's times where I was thinking about other things and I wasn't really focused. And it shows when you're on the field. If you're not dedicated and sold out and passionate, it's, it's obvious sometimes. You'll, there was players I knew I'd never seen that college football team play before. And I was, I'm watching this team like, oh, man, that player, he's their running back and their cornerback. He's playing offense and defense. Like, he's all in. Like, he's one of their, he's like, he's running the show, right? You had quarterbacks that got injured and they had to leave the field. But, like, I'm coming back with a broken ankle or not. I'm coming back on that field to watch my team play, right? There's this, they have their head in the game. 
I'm believing this is a year where you and I, we get our heads in the game. That we don't just play church, we don't just do Christianity once in a while, that we are all in all the time. That we're not bench warmers, that we are ready for action, right? That we're prepared and ready to go. I love these analogies. But I, what I really love is the message, this isn't just verse 13, the message kind of lumps verses together sometimes. So you can't just put in 1 Peter 1.13. If you do, you get both, 13 and 14. And I love that because it puts in that very last line. Don't lazily slip back into those old grooves of evil, doing just what you feel like doing. That's so important. As we start this new year, right, there's often new goals, new things that we're going to try to achieve. If I just listen to what I feel like doing, I would never go to the gym. I would never do a push-up. I would just eat food that I enjoy eating all day long, right? There's things, right, I'm thinking more of the diet, right, goals, but no matter what it is. Hmm. All right, I'll take a second to go here. Uh, not food. I feel like these last two years with the pandemic and with things, I feel like it has been a reset. I feel like God has been using it a lot for good. But I feel one thing that's kind of crept in, at least in my life, and I kind of observe it, I'll say more than my life, in some of the church, but I'll just say in the culture, in America, and maybe the world, is some of this laziness. That we had to stay home, right? We weren't allowed to go to church. We weren't allowed to go here. We weren't allowed, and so we figured out how to do school online, church online. And it was great. I'm not saying those are evil or bad things, but somehow I think it, 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 it caused something inside of us that we actually become lazy. And we're okay with it. And we put a label on, well, that's just the way things are now. The culture has been breeding it. And I'm saying it's not okay to slip back into these old grooves of evil, these old patterns. God is saying it's not a year to be lazy. I would love, as if you are weak and weary, this may not be a word that you, like, you want to hear. But I love that God says he disciplines those whom he loves. So sometimes I've, I've had to do this as, as a pastor when I'm counseling somebody. I've had to share it. I'm like, oh, man, this isn't, I don't know how to say this in a gracious way. But you are full of anxiety and worry and stress. And you want me just to pray that God's peace would come. Can I actually tell you that you feeling anxious thoughts is actually a sin? It says, be anxious for nothing. So when you are anxious, you actually are sinning. So I know that I can be gracious and kind and comforting, but at the same time, sometimes you need to be told the truth. When you let thoughts of anxiety just run through your mind, like I, I'm not picking on Daniel, I love that. He gave a good testimony where he was going for about an hour and then he did the right thing. He finally said, no, I'm gonna fix my thoughts on whatever is true, on whatever is lovely, whatever is pure, whatever is right, noble, of good report. I'm gonna let heaven fill my thoughts, right? So there's this idea at some point, I don't wanna just coddle you. Some of us, myself included, we've grown lazy. And God is saying in this word, prepare, gird your loins. He's saying, stop being lazy. It's not okay to start this new year with the old patterns. And I wish I could just say, I know we're, we're tired and weary and I just want to comfort you, but I also want to bring the truth. It's the truth that sets us free. Amen. So often, even when I'm a dad and I discipline my kids, I've had to tell them like, I can see in your eyes, you feel like I'm being mean to you and I'm just picking on you as I'm disciplining you. That's not my heart as your dad. My heart is for you to actually see the truth that I'm calling you out on something because if I don't, this is gonna become a pattern and you're gonna keep doing it and it's not gonna go well with you. Life is not gonna be enjoyable for you. But if I call you out 
and I discipline you, it's not because I don't like you. It's because I want your life to go well. This is God. It's not because he's mad and angry and doesn't like you. No, actually, his grace is going to be extended to you. But in that, he's saying, you have to listen to me. You have to obey. I'm going to discipline you. And part of this discipline and this word prepare is, it's not always fun. It's not always easy. Hmm. So this is the scripture that we'll be going off of this whole year. 1 Peter 1.13, I encourage you, read it. I just gave you three translations. Go read it. I, this is not just for me to preach from. This is the vision of us as a church. So I encourage you, take it today. Grab hold of it, embrace it. That's our, our mission, right? We embrace the promises of God. This is a promise from God for this year. So I encourage you, be Osmeber Church this year, today, and grab this scripture. Do something with it. Read it. Memorize it. Put it into, into action. But as I, like I said, as I was preparing for today, I had... I don't know, like 15 pages of notes, and I was trying to figure out how I was going to preach all that. And I felt like God says, no, just whet their appetite. So we whet your appetite for that. And I feel like the Lord wanted me kind of go in this direction a little bit. So we're preparing our hearts and minds for action. Part of that with that preparing for a billion soul harvest is we have to prepare for revival. Preparing for revival. What does that look like? How do you prepare for revival? And I was reminded, we actually sang some of it uh, this morning, or at least I thought about it while we were singing. Um, anyone know the story of Ezekiel? He's one of those prophets in the Old Testament. He's famous for the dry bones. He's also famous, we talked about it at some point this last year, I preached on it, um, from Ezekiel 47. He talks about um, water coming from underneath the temple and the angel, he's having a vision. Ezekiel's having a vision. The angel says, uh, pass through and it's, it's ankle deep. It's just a trickle of water coming out and then it's ankle deep and he goes further away from the temple then it becomes knee deep. You guys remember the story? Yes, Sunday school story. And then he goes further away from the temple and then it becomes waist deep, further away from the temple, and then it's in over his head, right? And then it talks about the idea for me, revival. That it says that it, it flows to the Dead Sea where nothing lives. And as this water from the sanctuary reaches the Dead Sea, everything becomes alive. It's full of life. It's teeming with life. And on its banks, on either side, trees begin to sprout up. And it says that every month they produce fruit and they're, Leaves are for the healing of the nations, right? We read that in the Revelation as well. There's this idea that God wants to bring revival. And that's all in this Ezekiel 47. But if you look back before Ezekiel 47, he's been talking for chapters. God has been telling Ezekiel, this is how, okay, more context, backing up even further. Ezekiel is prophesying to the, nation, to the people of Israel that they're going back to the promised land right? We were in exile. We deserve the punishment of God. Now let's go back. And when we're doing this, God begins to give him plans of what the temple is supposed to look like, telling measurements of how it's supposed to look different than it was before. The first temple, the second temple is going to look different, all these things. So for chapters, he's going through all this. But chapter 47 is finally when revival breaks out. So I want to look at Ezekiel 46, right before Revival breaks out. There's some preparation that goes on. So we're going to look at Ezekiel chapter 46, verses 9 through 15. So you can open up your Bibles, Ezekiel 46, 9 through 15. And it says this. I'll read from New King James. But when the people of the land come before the Lord on the appointed feast days. So this is when the people come back from exile, when they come back on a, a holiday, the New Year's Day, when they come back on these appointed days. It says, whoever enters by way of the north gate to worship shall go out by the way of the south gate. 
And whoever enters by the way of the south gate shall go out by the way of the north gate. He shall not return by way of the gate through which he came, but shall go out through the opposite gate. So that's verse 9. What does that mean? There's preparation. That you came in one way and you left a different way. This is what the Lord wants. That as we are coming into 2022, we came in maybe with the thinking of 2021, maybe with our past, but he's saying as we come into this year, we better be different and leaving this year different the way we came in. There's some preparation. There's some things that we better do differently if we, what, what's the definition of insanity, right? Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. So we can't do what we did last year. We've got to do things differently. We've got to end this year differently than we ended last year. Hmm. You can't leave the way you came in. You must, a change must occur. Hmm. Change needs to happen in our hearts. Change needs to happen in this church. Change needs to happen in the American church, in the church at large. Some change needs to happen. Before revival comes out, change needs to happen. And I love what verse 10, the very next verse says. The prince shall be in their midst when they go in. He shall go in. And when they go out, he shall go out. I know this is talking specifically about a prince, a person who is governing the people of Israel. But I love to look at it prophetically, that Jesus is our prince of peace. That as we are entering in this new year, Jesus, the prince, is going in with us. As we leave this year, Jesus, the prince of peace, is going to be leaving with us as we end this year. But as we go into worship, ah, that's how we're changed. We're not changed if we try to change ourselves. It actually happens if the prince is with us. When you spend time with Jesus and he's actually there, that's when we're changed. So if we keep looking at this preparation, I'm going to skip a few verses. Let's look at verse 13. Starting in verse 13, it says this. You shall daily make a burnt offering to the Lord of a lamb of the first year without blemish. I'll just read all of you 15. I'll go back. You shall prepare it every morning and you shall prepare a grain offering with it every morning. A sixth of an epah and a third of a hin of oil to moisten the fine flour. The grain offering is a perpetual ordinance to be made regularly to the Lord. Thus they shall prepare the lamb, the grain offering, and the oil as a regular burnt offering every morning. All right, so what am I saying there? Verse 13, you want to read all of it again? Verse 13 says, daily prepare in the morning. How do you prepare for revival? How do you prepare your heart and mind for action? Ezekiel is saying, daily be prepared every morning. In verse 14, he says, make it a perpetual ordinance, or it's a command, ordinance. It's an ongoing command. It wasn't a one-time command. It's every day of your life. It's a command. Prepare. Today, prepare. Tomorrow, prepare. The next day, prepare. Every day, prepare. It's not a one-time preparation. Verse 15, regularly prepare an offering every morning. Prepare regularly every morning. This is the challenge that I, I said as I opened up the service, that we're going to hit the ground running. I'm challenging you that this new year, you spend time daily with the Lord, right? No new thing. That's something we should always be taught at church. But I'm going to challenge you even further. If you're not a morning person, listen to the word of the Lord. 
It's an ordinance. It's a command. Prepare yourself. You don't prepare at the end. You prepare beforehand. That's the whole definition of prepare. It's prepare, right? So I'm challenging you. Maybe bare minimum, set your alarm clock five minutes earlier than you normally do. I know a lot of people are going back to work for the first day tomorrow, right? The holiday's over with, your break. So tomorrow, set your alarm. You normally wake up at 6 a.m., whatever time you wake up. Set it five minutes earlier. It doesn't have to be three hours of, you know, in God's presence and it has to be this great big ordeal. I'm telling you, five minutes can be a powerful thing where we're just preparing our hearts and our minds, preparing my heart, saying, God, my desire, my heart's desire this morning is to please you. All day long, I want to have the desire that's in your heart to be inside of my heart. Simple two-sentence prayer. Lord, my mind, I want to prepare my mind. I want to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. So what does your word have to say? It's wisdom and it's instruction. It's, it's a light into my path. So I don't want to live by whatever just comes up to the day. I want your word to be my guide. So instruct me, teach me in my mind today. That took, what, 30 seconds to pray. I want to be prepared for action today. I want to do what you have called and prepared for me to do. I love Ephesians 2.10. says that God has prepared good works beforehand that we might walk in them. Meaning God is someone who prepares. This is a whole other sermon. I'm not going to touch it right now, but I got tons on this. God is someone who prepares. He's a preparer. And we're creating his image. We are to be preparers. God has prepared good works beforehand. Before you were knit together in your mother's womb, he knew you. And he prepared your days. He numbered your days. He has something prepared for you today to do. But if I'm not spending time preparing my heart and mind to do it, I'm going to miss it. And can I tell you, I have been guilty numerous times in my life where I've missed what God had prepared for me that day. I missed it. I'm like, ah! Oh. It was not just a blessing for me, it was an opportunity to be a giver, to minister to others. Man, I, even as I said that, I just thought of probably like five different things, man. There's, there's times where I saw a police officer and I knew I was supposed to go over and pray with him. And I was like, ah, oh, it was too awkward of a moment, blah, 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 and I didn't do it. Who knows? I'm not saying that, oh, that police officer died that day because I didn't pray for him. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that I missed it. I missed an opportunity to be a blessing. I missed an opportunity to stretch my faith. I, missed, I just missed it. I don't want to do that anymore. I want to be prepared. And so I'm, I'm inviting you to join me in doing this, that we are preparing every morning. And so to do that, preparing our hearts every morning, what I've, I'm going to provide you before we leave is I've made a 21-day journal. We're going to use soap, right? You guys remember that? We've done that before. Soap means scripture, observation, application, prayer, S-O-A-P. So I've made some papers with those lines in there, and I provided a scripture for every single day for the next 21 days, starting tomorrow. We all will have a journal as we walk out of here, a physical journal. If you're joining us online, I will provide, I'll email you um, a digital version. But I'd love for you to have something physical that you can print out as well. The idea is that we all, as a church together, will have the same Bible verse that we're going to read. And as I said, the first, this first week, we're going to be talking about preparing our hearts. Then we're going to prepare our mind for the next week. Then the third week, preparing for action. So we're all doing this together, getting on the same page, reminding ourselves of our vision for this year, reading scriptures, and doing this together. And so... I encourage you, partake. I'm, I'm giving you something tangible. I, I could just say, spend five minutes with God and we leave here. And I'm just being honest with you. Statistics say less than half of you would actually do it. 
But I'm trying to say, no, let's do, I believe, I have hope, right, that we as a church, we're going to do this. That we're going to do this together and we're going to see growth. We're going to see the grace of God increase at Osmeria Church because we are preparing. We are prepared people. So I'll hand that to you as you guys leave this 21-day prayer journal. So I'm challenging you to spend time with God doing the prayer journal. I'm spending you, it could be the same thing, five minutes. Maybe it's doing that prayer journal for five minutes before you do anything else in the day. You could separate it. You could spend five minutes where you're just talking to God before you get out of bed and then doing the journal later. However you want to do it, but I'm just trying to give you tools. So I'm asking you to spend time in the morning, spend time doing this journal. Third thing, I'm asking a lot of you guys this morning as we start off this new year. We've done this in the last several years, but it's the first fruits fast. And so... That's kind of my last thing I want to hit is we prepare with our first fruits. Jen read a great song talking about first fruits. That God doesn't just want some offering. He doesn't want just something from us. He actually wants the first. He wants the best. And to remind ourselves, just a quick Jen read from Psalms where it talks about that. There's a story in Genesis. You guys know your Sunday school history. Cain and Abel. You guys remember them? Adam and Eve's boys. And so it says this in Genesis 4, 4. It says, In the course of time, Cain brought some of the, first, some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. I love that last one. The Lord looked with favor. God said this is a year of increased favor. This is a year where unmeasurable grace is going to be given to us. But you see it here in a context of Abel bringing the firstborn, the first fruits. He obtained favor from the Lord. Cain, I love there's, sometimes when you read that, we skip over this. It says, in the course of time, meaning when he got around to it. In the course of time, like eventually he gave God an offering. Like I gave him an offering. You asked for an offering, God, I gave it to you. Yeah, but when? Like once a month? Like, when, when do I actually get an offering from you? And I feel like, I don't mean this harsh, but God is saying, I deserve an offering every day. And I deserve the first, the best. He doesn't want leftovers. I gave a whole sermon, I think, a couple of years ago, that God doesn't want our leftovers. I, I love Thanksgiving, and I eat leftovers, but they're not my favorite. Left, you ask my kids, they, they hate leftovers, right? God doesn't like leftovers. He wants the first fruits. It says that Cain brought, in the course of time, eventually got around to doing something. It says that he brought something. He brought an offering. And I don't want to preach on that whole thing, but, right, that's even our tithes and offerings. We are talking about it at our New Year's Eve party. Someone was asking about tithe. Does it matter if I, you know, how, what does it work, the first fruits? And I always say, it's the first, you pay your tithe and offering, you get to God what is his, before you pay any other bills. Well, I want to be responsible and pay my mortgage and pay, you know, credit card bills. I should pay car payment insurance. I need to pay all these things. I need to be responsible. Yes, you do. But those all get paid after God gets what he deserves. God gets his first portion first. And then what is ever left over, then I try to pay my bills. Because I found it true. If I pay all my bills first, I'm like, oh, I don't have 10% left over. Uh, sorry, God, I'll, whatever I got left, I'll give you some. According to God's word, it doesn't work that way. You don't obtain favor from the Lord with giving God an offering. 
He says, actually, it's the first fruits. That's all I accept. So I'm not giving you a whole sermon on tithe and offering, but um, that's where I'm at with that. All right, so really quick, I got to wrap this all up. I want to be prepared with a heart and mind for action. I want to be prepared for revival. I want to be prepared by bringing my first fruits. So I'm challenging you. Are you willing even in this moment to say, all right, I'm ready to spend five minutes extra in the morning, set my alarm clock five minutes. So I'm ready to do this prayer journal and join the rest of the church. And then the last one I didn't give a lot of time for, a 21, as I said, this first fruits fast. I'm not calling the whole church to eat no food for 21 days. Let me be clear. Uh, I would have to prepare you way in advance to do that type of fast. It would not be fair to spring that on you the day of, right? But what I'd love to call you towards and I know I'm asking a lot of you this morning, but I feel like that's part of my job as your coach, right, or the captain. I need to give you a game plan. I need to tell you, all right, it's time to work out. It's time to, here's what we got to do. So this first fruits fast, the minimum what I'm asking you to do, everyone, is to replace a physical meal with a spiritual meal. Can you find breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Find a meal in the day that it would be a sacrifice for you not to eat that meal. And say, instead of the time I would spend preparing that, putting that in my mouth, chewing it, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go spend time with God. I'm going to pray for other people in the church. I'm going to go just spend time with God, whatever that looks like for you. Worship, put on worship music. But replace a physical meal with a spiritual meal. Can I tell you that's, it's difficult. But what I love, I know i got to wrap this up. What I love about fasting, I know Jen gives me a hard time because she says I like fasting. It's, it's a half-truth. <laughs> my spirit, man, really does enjoy fasting. My flesh, I don't like it, right? We read from 1 Peter 1.13, right? Don't just do whatever you feel like doing. If I do what my flesh feels like doing, I will never fast because that doesn't sound fun. I don't like being hungry. I enjoy the flavor of foods, right? It's amazing I don't think about food a lot. I don't think I do at least. But when I fast, I'm like, man, I think about food all the time. Like, oh, I know that's in the kitchen. I know, oh, oh, that sounds really good right now. Oh, I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't think about food that much until I fast. But it's a sacrifice. And for me, God is worth the sacrifice. And for me, I enjoy having something practical that I can look at and say, my spirit man actually tells my flesh man what to do. My flesh really wants to do this, but my spirit, I'm, I'm prepared for my spirit, man, to say, nope, you don't get to. Every day for 21 days, nope, you don't get what you want. God gets what he wants. And so I'm challenging you with some big challenges this morning. Take a journal, join me in a fast, join me in five minutes minimum. You can spend more than five minutes. I'm just trying to give you the minimums. Right? You can do more than just one meal. I'm just giving you the minimums of what I'm asking. And I really am asking, I got a kid in elementary. I'm going to ask him to do it. I'm going to ask him to join me. And I know that might not be healthy. And I know we all have different things. I get that. Here's my ask. You take it before the Lord. You do what you need to do. I understand God can speak to you. I have different convictions. But this is my ask as your pastor. Would you replace a physical meal with a spiritual meal? Um, all right. As, as the worship team comes on up, I'll kind of wrap this up. And uh, I'm going to leave, uh, we'll leave with this one last worship song. We'll do that. We'll have some availability of people to pray if you need prayer for anything. And I'm going to run to the back and I'll get to greet all of you guys, tell you happy new year. And I'll actually give you one of those journals. If you have questions, I can answer that. Again, if you're joining us online, um, 
I'll, I'll email that up by the end of today. And if you come next week, we'll have more available for you. Because I, I, I like having a physical journal to write down in rather than just doing it in my head. Um, so we are preparing our hearts and minds for action. We are preparing for revival. And we, this week, next three weeks, preparing our first fruits to give an offering to the Lord. Does that make sense? Amen. Would you stand with me as we get ready to worship the Lord with one last song and leave here excited to have some New Year's goals of where we're headed this year. So let's pray. God, I thank you for today. God, I thank you that you do give us vision. God, that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a a light unto our path. That Jesus, you quoted from Deuteronomy that we are not to live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from your mouth. And so this year, God, I wanna live. I wanna be fully alive. I don't wanna miss anything that you have prepared for me. And so I choose to live by every word that proceeds from your mouth. Whatever you say, my heart be ready to do it with joy, with gladness, that my mind is stayed on you. God, I thank you that I can prepare my physical body to be in submission to my spirit. That Holy Spirit, you will have your way in my life this year. So I give you the first fruits. I give you my life. I give you all that I am. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.